This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. We say in this Miris of Yishu, so we tell the story of Eliyohan Novi. There's a poor man, and Eliyohan Novi offers, he said, I'll sell myself as a slave. And I'll build a palace for the man who bought me. And the first night, Eliyahu Novi calls out. He says, I'm not B'Koyach to finish this. You know, I didn't do it for myself. And Malachim came down from Shemayim, and they began to build the palace. We need to understand what Eliyahu Novi thinks. Did he think that he can build a palace by himself? As soon as he took on the job, he asked. He started crying for help from the Malachim. So what was his cheshbon when he sold? When he sold himself, the pasuk says, "Ve'essa eschem al kanfei I will carry you on the wings of eagles. And Chazal tell us Rashi brings when an eagle carries her fledgling, she carries it on her back. So that if a hunter shoots the arrow, mutav be rather the arrow should enter me and shouldn't enter to my child. All the other birds carry the child underneath. The eagle carries the child on the back. It's difficult to understand. What has the eagle now accomplished? If the fledgling can't fly on its own, and if you shoot the mother with an arrow, the mother gets killed, so the little bird is going to fall in any case. What did he accomplish? Once said by the Altus Klan Rebbechan of the Bracha, when people came to him and said that the Matzav and Chesed Avram is so difficult that they're about to go bankrupt, they can't continue, first thing we do is open another Moisid. Let's open a new one, a new school somewhere. Because a Pu'ula of Mesiras Nefesh brings with it Siyat Dishmaya. The eagle, of course, if someone's going to shoot the eagle, the fledgling has no chance of survival. But the mother says, I want to be Moisid Nefesh for my child. And once there's Mesiris Nefesh, the Abish there already protects that the arrow shouldn't come to the mother. And the Eid gives himself away. Eliyahu Navi, had he asked for the Malachim to come and help before, it wouldn't have helped. Malachim help out this person. Eliyahu Navi went and sold himself for an Eved, for another Jew. And now he opened up new gates of Siyat Deshmaya, new gates of help. And then he was able to call on the Malachim, able to say, we don't know how much we could accomplish if we give ourselves away. You know, the word nesher, say, have a kalka nesher. Why is a nesher called a nesher? The nesher is the melech of the oifis. Look at the Balaturim, they're in Pasha Shmini. A nesher is called a nesher because it sheds its feathers every year. The eagle sheds the old feathers and and grows new ones. Now, a name that you give for something, other Mauritian gave every Chaya its name. A, a name is the essence of that creature. Now, I can think of many other names to call the eagle, to call a Nesha. It flies the highest, it's the Melech, it soars. Maybe you should call it the Sora, the Fly. There's so many different names that you can give it. Yet the point of the Nesher, the godless of the Nesher, is its ability to shed the old feathers and throw them away 
and to fly high. It's flying, it's ability to be the melech, to go so high, it's ability to leave go of things. Uschadesh karnesha nuloichim. Hevekal karnesha. Sometimes we're held down. We're held down by things in the past. We're held down by weaknesses that we think we can't overcome, that we can't overpower. We don't realize that sometimes if we just let go of some things that we think we couldn't live without, we'd be able to fly so much higher, we'd be able to be Kal Kanesha. Reboisa, we spoke over Shabbos, told many Sipure Tzadikim, Maizes of Gidoilim. What's the purpose of telling over all these stories? I think Sipurim of Gidoilim are nice stories to say over, have something to repeat. When you talk about Sipure Tzadikim, it's a very serious business. Every single person here has a neshama, has a soul. That neshama is bigger than all the people in the world. If you take all the billion Chinese and all the billion Arabs, you take everybody in the world and everything that's happening in the world, it's like a speck in the sand compared to the size of your neshama. If you take everything that's happening in the world, presidential elections and all the news, including all the Heimish news included. You take all of that and put it together, it doesn't, it's nothing, it's Kiklipas Hashum compared to the size of your Neshama. Not only that, if you were to take everything that's happened since Bria Sa'ilam, every kingdom and every nation, the rise and the fall of so many empires, and all the riches in the world, and all that's ever happened, and all the people who've existed, who've come and who've gone, and all their lives together, doesn't equal the neshama, it doesn't come to the neshama that each and every one has within. Our neshamas are so huge. If you were to comprehend, contemplate the universe, and look at the hundreds of millions, hundreds of billions of stars that are just in this galaxy alone, and there's another hundred million galaxies, and that's only a small percentage of what's out there. All of that together doesn't compare to the size of your neshama. Everybody, each one of us, doesn't compare to the size of the neshama, what the neshama is all about. Because the neshama is a chelik ilikam yimal, the neshama is infinite, it's ain soif. And every serious person, every yid, whose neshama came down to this world, was sent here for a purpose. And everybody has to think, why did the Rebbe Yishan give me such a big neshama for he obviously wants something from me. He obviously expects something from me. He obviously knows that I have koyches, that I have potential. That's why he gave me such a great neshama. What happens? Why don't we? Why don't we look at ourselves that way? Why don't we achieve? Like we're hearing about the stories of Gedele Yisrael. We think this, oh, Gedele Yisrael is something. Is a, uh, it's a different planet, nothing to do with me. How does the Yetzirah accomplish that? That we don't recognize, we don't look at what's inside of us. He spoke of the Shabbos, that was Kairach's toys. Kairach looked always outward. He didn't look inside himself. He thought the only way he could succeed is if I could have what that guy has, I'd be like that one. He never realized there's so many Yetzirahs inside himself. The reason is because without even thinking subconsciously, 
we look to everybody else to determine our standards. How much should I be learning? How much should I be doing? What should I be doing for Klal Yisrael? How should my davening be? How should I be working on my middas? I look around and I see what everybody else is doing, and that's what I should do. I don't demand of myself anything more than I see the people around me. And that's a mistake that robs us of our potential for life. What do I have to do with the next guy? Why do I have to judge what I'm capable of by what the other person is doing and never realize that I can lift my standards? I'm put on this world and it's me and the Rebbeinu Shalom and I have to accomplish. The Eidish that gave me this Neshama and I have to do something with it. The Eidish is going to ask me, what did you do with this Neshama? What am I going to say? Well, that guy didn't do it. That guy didn't do it. Who cares about the other guy? Why is he going to tell me how many hours a day I should learn? Why is he going to tell me how much I should give for tzedakah? Who, does, who says that I just look around me and that's how I base what I expect from myself. Brings the, the famous story with the Beis HaLevi. The uh, Beis HaLevi was once traveling and in the middle of the night he stopped in at an inn. The place was closed already. He banged on the door. The innkeeper let him. He didn't know who he was. He said, it's too late, I can't give you a room, I can't give you a meal. He said, well, you can't leave me out outside, it's, it's cold. I said, it's okay. He gave him a little place to sleep on the carpet next to the fireplace. And he was sleeping on the floor. And then, it was about an hour or two later, there was a big Rebbe, the Kaidan of a Rebbe. The Kaidan of a Rebbe was traveling through those parts, and he came with a whole group of Chassidim. And he came to this inn, and the innkeeper was a Chassidim Shahid. He saw the Kaidan of a Rebbe, so he said, he put on all the lights, and he started serving food, and he set up a magnificent table. The Heilige Rebbe is here. And the Kaidan of Rebbe sees there's somebody lying on the floor. And he sees there's the Beis Salem. He was a good friend of the Beis Salem. He says, Briskirov, what are you doing there? And he jumps up. He gives them a big hug. Shalom Aleichem. And the innkeeper can't believe what's going on. He says, Beis Salem, Briskirov. He says, I'm so sorry. Had I known who you were, and I wouldn't have treated you this way. So the Beis Salem told him, it says, by the Mais of Shechem Udino, Kinevola also be Yisrael, v'chein lo yeyoseh. What's the Vechein Lo Yeyosa? says that until then, the Umay Sa'olom were Gedurim Ba'aroyas. So it says, they said, when the Volos Yisrael Lishka Ves Bas Yaakov, we didn't know it was Bas Yaakov, no, we would have known it's Dina Bas Yaakov, we never have done such a thing. It says, fine, if you didn't know it was Dina Bas Yaakov, but this is something you don't do to anybody. Vechein Lo Yeyosa, it's not acceptable to anybody. And Oibazo, you don't have an excuse that you didn't know it was Dina Bas Yaakov. So if you're telling me you didn't know I'm the Briskirov, fine. But if that's not the way to treat anybody who comes into you in the middle of the night. If you could treat somebody else like that, then you could say, I didn't know you're the Briskirov. But if that's not a way to treat anybody, you have no excuse. And then it's the time is why you treated the Briskirov that way. He told the Lamaizes, it was a Besa Talmud, and the second Seder ended um, 7 o'clock. And once he had to leave early, so he left uh, 5 to 7. So one of the Shiva stopped him. He says, it's, uh, it's 10 to 7. He says, where are you going? He says, uh, well, look at the watch. I thought it was 5 to 7. So he told him this story. He said, if 5 to 7, you're allowed to leave. So it's a good tariff that you thought it was 10. You didn't realize it was 10 to 7. But 5 to 7, you're not allowed to leave either. You have to stay till the end of Seder. V'chein lo yeyose. person's going to come to Shamayim. And ask him, what did you accomplish with your lives? You're going to say, I wasn't a Kivega, I wasn't a Moshe Feinstein, I didn't have such, I wasn't such a genius. 
I wasn't able to accomplish. They said, okay, let's see what you were capable of accomplishing. Did you do what you could accomplish? If you didn't do what you could accomplish, a tiny why went Europe Kivegid? And how much could we really accomplish? Now I saw a story of Mokhobe was riding on a train. He writes that he was riding through Lita. And he was on a train and there was four people sitting opposite. They looked like Pashita people. And they sat down opposite and they rolled up their sleeves, took off their jackets and said, let's start. And he thought that they're going to maybe play chess or take out a, take out a deck of cards. And he watched the first one, says the first Tyson Yavamish, the next one, the second, the third, the fourth. They go around and around and around. The next five hours they did every Tyson Yavamish. That was 60 years ago. They were in Rabonim, they were in Rashi Yeshivas. What land? People were able to accomplish. But today, why should I even dream of that? I'm knowing every Tyson Yavamish. I'm knowing something. Having a Kenyan in Torah. Accomplish that. Why should if nobody around me is doing it? Everything is fine. And nothing is demanded. And no one feels that no one feels any need. Because he looks at everybody else and says, what's the standard? And if that's the standard for everybody else, it's good for me. But it's not good because how me, I have a neshama, and everybody should expect something from me. And we could be my senefesh. My senefesh in our own little ways. person sheds his teschadish kanesha. He's prepared to change something, to add something. Add something into his life, something lemaisa, something practical, an aliyah. It's what Yidin were made out of. Yidin were bala nesiris nefesh. Just read a story from uh, Yitzchak Silber. I was talking about him over Shabbos. He was describing the matzav in Russia. And there was a town where the mikvah was closed for many years. But the old mikvah was there where a certain Yid was living. And they wanted, he should open it up and should allow the people to use it. Of course, the fellow was very scared. He didn't want, you know, the communist catch him. He's running a mikvah in his house. And they begged him, he refused. So they gathered together, they collected a huge sum of money. They offered him a huge sum of money. It was like two years panosa. You should just allow them to use the mikvah in his house. I don't want to go to jail. I don't want to spend the next 20 years in Siberia. So finally, the rub of the town said, look, if you let the Olam use the mikveh, I'll give you half of my Olam Habo. On the second, he said, you have a deal. Already. Try to think. And Simi saw the person. The person wasn't ready to do it for all the money. I'm ready to risk everything. I'm ready to risk arrest. I'm ready to do something for the Rabbeinu Shalom. Recently in, in, in Chicago, I was talking to somebody, a fellow came over with his wife, was discussing, they had certain plans, about going back and forth here in the summer, uh, discuss what's the best way to do it, and what's the cheshbin, well, if they go this way, tickets are more expensive, it's $500 more, $400 more, it's like, oh, the fellow's a businessman, he was doing better before, now he's not doing so well, cheshbin, to spend money, not to spend money, so he went through the whole discussion, what did it start him? Then he says, okay, I want to give a donation to the yeshiva. He takes out a check. I look at the check. It says $10,000. Oh, yes. 
I understand you're sitting here discussing $300 up, $400 out. He said, him and his wife said, no, no, we discussed it. We want to see the snapfish. Our butts are tired. We want to give our butts. I couldn't believe this here. 2008. We're talking about Asogis. For our generation, this is called Messias Nefesh. She says, no, I want, because I know it's before, it's before Yom, that the money should go to the Rebbeim to pay the salaries. That's crazy itself. People are capable, we're capable of doing great things. If we would understand that our Neshamas were designed, were designed, were designed to be big, we live in very big times. We live in momentous tekufas. You know, the world is... <laughs> you don't know where the world is going to be. Nobody knows where the world is going to be. And in the next couple of months, it's Tutsach. Malchius, Mizgore, Zubizu. We're at the edge, hopefully, of the Gula Asido. We see all the simonim that Chazal tell us, all the simonim that Chazal tell us to wait for Mashiach, to, to hope for Mashiach, extraordinary times. We have to be extraordinary people. We can't be small people. To be small in a time when greatness is demanded. It's a terrible, <laughs> tragic mistake. Don't look at anybody else. Look at ourselves. What can I be doing? Make standards for ourselves. Somebody once came to the Chazenish, a bocher, and he asked him, Ben Azmanim, he says, how much should I learn a day? Shiva bocher, I'm off, how much should I learn? He says, a bocher Ben Azmanim should learn at least as much as the Balabos. What is that? Eight hours a day. <laughs> okay, so let's not say eight hours a day. There was a tzkufa, that was what was expected of a Balabos. Correct? You should learn eight hours a day. No, so let's say day. But... It's not expected of me just because what the other guy is doing. I could be kind. I could become great in Torah. I could work on a meet. I could become great in Chesed. I could become great in Tzedakah. I could become a God of Yisrael. God of Yisrael doesn't only mean somebody whose pictures in the newspaper. You know, Yisrael who are recognized in Oilam Hazeh. But there are people upon whom the world can stand, who could be carrying Oilamois, And nobody knows about them, but they're Rebbeinu People go through the difficult Messianus, with Messiah's Nefesh, with greatness, with Hasogis of Godless, recognizing that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave us such, such great Neshamas. With a Tachlis, with a design, and with the energy and with the potential to be able to bring out Kvayt Shomayim. If the music will help me out a little bit. Sing a little Negan about our history of Mesiris Nefesh. And maybe we can relate a little bit to the previous generations.
A bitter decree for the learning or teaching of Torah, the death penalty. With the Torah in his arms, he held on so tight. Rabchanina bent Radian like the sun, spreading its light, surrounded by Talmudim. He learned and he taught until that bitter day when he was caught, wrapped in the safer Torah. Even in death, he did not part. Wet sponges of wool they put on his heart. Cruelly, the Rishoyim they lit him on fire. Higher and higher, the Talmudim cried out so bitterly. Rebbe, Rebbe, what do you see? The parchment is burning and dying, but the letters, the letters are flying. So towards the sky, the letters will never ever die, so many years have gone by, how many tears must we
Jericho were gathered in the town square. The Germans collected all of the town Sifretoiro and piled them up there. The beautiful velvet mantle embroidered in gold thread. The terrified crowd held its breath. They grabbed Srolik the barber, a simple Jew. He didn't know very much. He almost never went to shoot. They threw the safe tire in his hands. They told him, undress it and throw it on the floor. Spit on it, step on it, or you'll be no more. Srulik took the toilo, he held it so tight. In his mind, all he could see was Simcha's toilo night. Throw it on the floor, the officer screamed and ran. But Srulik, the barber, began to dance. He jumped and he danced without Pachad or just like the Lord on Simchas The officer was enraged at the amazing scene. He doused Srulik and his Torah with gasoline you stop it right now this is your last chance throw it down and step on it but he continued his dance one strike of the match and a pillar of fire rose mightily hoy Srulik, tell us, what do you see? The parchment is burning and dying, but the letters, the letters are flying. He's soaring up to the sky. The letters will never, ever to you through Nisayan after Nisayan and we ask Yishakeinu minashikais b'hiyo kitoi v'doi d'cha b'hiyo yin haitate 
the city of Palestine. There's a little yeshiva at Simchas Torah. There's an amazing scene. They're singing and dancing with contagious joy. In the corner sits alone a 12-year-old boy. The Rav asks him, it's your hakofa, come dance. But the boy starts to cry. He's a new boy in yeshiva. Maybe he's shy. The Rav tells him, listen, my child, it's your turn to dance. Simchus Torah comes only once a year. Don't miss your chance. He says, I want to dance with the Torah. I really do. But in the Torah it's written that one has to have a bris milah to be a full Jew. So badly I want to hold the Torah and give it a kiss. But how could I dance with the Torah? I didn't have a bris. Listen, my child. Every single Jew has a letter in the Torah, and you have one too. Come dance with the Sefer Torah, or your letter will be missed. Tomorrow, Yetzirah, you'll have your prayers. The parchment is burning and dying, but the letter.
just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.